Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about how to best address challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. This week, we're joined by Regina Curtis. Regina, you are a soul wisdom mentor and intuitive artist. We met in the education world. That's part of why I'm interested in helping educators to know more about your work. Regina, welcome. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here. I love it. Reconnecting with you is a pleasure, that's for sure. Tell me, um, what what do we want people to know big picture about the work that you're doing right now? Help me help them understand how great your work is. Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. So what I do is I help people understand themselves better so that they can then have clarity and confidence in whatever it is they're doing. So a lot of people that I work with are in the field of what I would call a solopreneur, but I would absolutely put teachers into that or educators in general into that category as well. Those who have a passion about what they're doing and it's just something that there's this guiding force within you that is really drawing you towards it. So um, when I work with someone as a soul wisdom mentor, I help them understand their ways of knowing or receiving information and being or expressing information. That sounds like some familiar educator speak, but you're taking it to the next level. I really love that you talk about clarity and confidence because teachers have been knocked around a little bit over over the past year or two. And um, some familiar things were no longer familiar. Some new strategies had to be adopted and adapted quickly. And so clarity and confidence are really important words. Can you talk a little bit more about each of those? Absolutely. So I believe that they are really interconnected and Mm -hmm. with clarity comes confidence. Mm -hmm. And so that clarity, we've often been taught um, to trust things outside of ourselves. And I think what the last couple of years has really shown us is that uh, that isn't always trustworthy because the things that we have known per se aren't always going to stay the same. But the things that we connect with internally really are, you know, those things have been with us from the very day we th- that we were born. And we evolve them and we deepen a relationship with them, but are really our guiding kind of compass for how we know that something is true for us and how we know whether or not we should move forward with it, really that comes from within. So when you gain clarity on that, when you can identify it, you can communicate with it, allow it to communicate to and through you. And that's what I call your soul wisdom. Um, And then move forward with intentional action. That's where the confidence comes in. So the clarity comes in the knowing, the confidence comes in the acting. Your description has me thinking about two specific things. One is thinking about how self-directed students can be when they understand what they're supposed to do. And so that clarity and confidence, we can see that translate quickly in our classrooms when directions are clear, when resources are available, when we've reduced the cognitive load of a task and can allow a student to focus on the content. That's the first thing that, that your words have me thinking of. And the second is thinking of all those projects I've had that I haven't accomplished because I don't really know how to get myself going. It's not clear. And so I just put it off. I don't embrace it the way I would if Mm -hmm. I, if I had the clarity. So there, there's a, there are two sides to that. There are. And that confidence, you know, 
what you're talking about, and, and this is exactly why I say they're very interconnected, because mm -hmm. in both of the scenarios that you just laid out, there is a clarity and there's a confidence to act because there's a clarity, right? Yes. When you feel really confident in doing something, I would call that like a full body yes, right? This is a term that is used a lot in the, the circle of um, the circles that I run in these days. But um, what that really means is that you know on multiple levels. So there's knowing in your analytical mind, right? And that often comes from something outside of us. There is something that we can say, this aligns with the external information that I've been given, right? Whether that's directions for a project that you've been given by your teacher or educator, whether it is um, from a, a supervisor or a boss or a client even. And so there is that kind of external analytical, yes, I can check that box. And then there is the confirmation that comes internally. Does this resonate for me? Is this something that I feel confident in doing? Is it something that I feel I have the skills to do or the capacity to do or the interest in? And that's a really important one. Mm -hmm. um, and that is where I think a lot of times for students, especially, you can see students disconnect from something because there isn't necessarily an interest. Now, that also happens for adults, by the way. <laughs> and yet, <laughs> we tend more to force ourselves into it because we think we're supposed to, right? Um, but that full body yes, that I know how to do this, the clarity's there, the confidence is there, and then the ease of taking that action comes when both of those are in alignment. And it moves even more efficiently when also there's a tie-in, a buy-in, I guess not a tie-in, but when there's a buy-in, right? You want to be doing that. They're, you're interested in it as well. How do you help someone as you're mentoring them to hear their, their full body yes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so this is different for every person. And this is where I get a little bit nerdy about it in like a very Nerdy's good Nerdy's good. Nerdy's good. I love it. I love here. it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that really, um, one of my abilities that I am able to really tap into and that I never really allowed myself to tap into until now is that I can read how other people are experiencing things and I can feel it in my body. I, I have a lot of expanded, what I would call Claire's, um, Claire sentience, Claire audience. These are clear seeing, clear, clear hearing, um, clear knowing, right? And those are intuitive abilities. Sometimes People know also. the term clairvoyant and clairvoyant. expand yes. that to other senses. Good. Exactly. Yeah. So that the clairs align with all of our senses. And that's the one that we're most com is used most commonly, I think. Um, but also, just a little bit of a side note, the way that that is often framed is as psychic ability, which I think can scare some people. Um, it used to scare me, honestly, because when I would hear that, I would think, oh, you're seeing the future. But that doesn't necessarily always tie into the future. It can also just be clear seeing, like you can see things, you're a visual person, right? My formal education <laughs> is in um, 
is in education, right? So I have this formal training in education, and then I have this life training in being an intuitive being. And the languages, it's basically just two sets of vocabulary, and they're very similar with just different labels. So clairvoyant, someone who's a clear, clear seeing could also be a visual learner, mm -hmm. right? Someone who is clairsentient, who feels things in their body, maybe a kinesthetic learner. And so there are these parallels that are really fascinating. And my background in education and my training in becoming an educator and being an educator and being in the classroom and working in that space really helps me to explain things in that, in that language. So I know this has been a, like a long journey to get back to the answer to your question, but how do I help people to understand these ways of knowing and ways of being is I observe and I listen and I use all of those abilities that I have to find the clues and listen to what the people are saying whether they're saying it with their mouth, whether they're saying it with their body language, whether they're saying it energetically. And then I reflect that back to them. This sounds like good teaching in practice. <laughs> in, in your case, you're teaching people about themselves, helping exactly. them to, to read themselves. You know, I've got the practical teacher uh, habits and I'm thinking about the way teachers are expected to put learning objectives, uh, to accompany a lesson plan with learning objectives or to have their lesson objectives posted on the board for students or for that assistant principal who walks in. And, <laughs> yes. and, and then when we think about clarity and purpose and, and confidence, I'm thinking about the number of times that teachers have put learning objectives up that have no meaning to the students. Yeah. And yeah. how can we expect them to work towards a learning objective when it really isn't speaking their language, when it's not spoken in their language, it's not clear. That doesn't exactly. make sense. And then it brings me back to the point I made earlier where there's not necessarily an interest. So if I came on this podcast and was having a conversation with you and I used only spiritual lingo, right? So I could talk in this really ethereal language and I can speak that language because I have, like I said, there are different circles that I run in, right? And so I could have this conversation about multidimensionality and, you know, like all of, all of these things, all of these terms, but it may be accessible to some people. It may not be accessible to others. Well, for, for us, we'll ask you to save that for the next level. <laughs> exactly. However, this is the could. reason I could, right? And, and, but the reason I don't is because that's not really serving the audience that I'm here to speak to today, right? And just like when you put an objective on the board, those objectives are made for the administrators. They are made for the people who are looking at the benchmarks, right? Behind the scenes. They're not even necessary. I mean, they're for the teachers to know kind of here's the guidepost oh, of where you're going. Standardized test alignment or a yeah. crosswalk between some state standards. It's exactly. Yeah. But you put that on a board for a student and they're lost because that means nothing to them. They're not speaking that language. And so why would they be interested if they're not speaking that language? How can we translate this then into some recommendations to make for educators? Using what you know about the soul, about soul wisdom, mm -hmm. about deep understanding, 
how do we translate that into recommendations that help teachers with students? So teachers do this all the time and may or may not realize that they're doing it um, and may or may not also celebrate it or really accept that this is an ability that they have. But anyone who I've ever seen stand in front of a classroom and command the attention of students has an ability to read the classroom, right? To be able to read, this student needs my help. Whether or not you have the resources and ability to help them all, that's another story. But <laughs> what I'm saying is you can stand in front of your classroom, whether it's virtually, maybe you're sitting on a computer, you still know, right? There's this knowing that you have of, are you reaching the students? Are they engaged? Are they not engaged? And so you really are the bridge between what is, what is that curriculum saying? What are the needs from the administrators? What are the standards asking for? And what do the students really need? So it is really helping to, basically everyone who's a teacher is an interpreter in some way. Mm -hmm. You have to interpret what are the things that we need? What is this language over here that is coming to me? And how do I then translate that or interpret that and hand it to the students so that I can then pull from them what it is that, that really is needed. And um, the way that I do it is, I, I do essentially the same thing, right? Where I'm receiving in one language and then I'm interpreting and reflecting it back in another. And so it's really about finding the intersection where that interest of the students meets the needs of the administration, basically. And I'm just kind of labeling it as administration, but sure, it's, we have to it's, use some, some functional terms. That's okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it's really more systematic, I think, than necessarily from a specific administration, but it is this, this system that we have that is our education system right now. When I think about student learning, I think about the transformation from not knowing to knowing. Some yes. of the conversations I've had with educators recently have reminded us that when we speak to young people and they say they can't do something, we want to quickly add yet to the yes. end of the sentence, say you can't do it yet. Uh, mm -hmm. And what you're describing sounds a lot like awakening. And I, mm -hmm. I, I feel like there's some connection between that transformation from not knowing to knowing yes. and being unaware and then being aware or awakened. What does that mean? <laughs> so, um, okay, so first of all, we have, uh, there is a term that's a very spiritual term, right? Like a spiritual awakening, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of think of that in the same way as like a graduation, or in some ways, I would think of it like a rebirth, mm -hmm. um, where let's just, let's just use that one for a second. So we're born, right? That's our birth into this human life. And then we go through a series of different kinds of um, phases or stages or learning, you know, cycles that we go through. And eventually we come to some kind of graduation and then we're rebirthed into the world now as an adult, right? And that happens with learning all the time. And just like we, yes, we wake up one day you know, the day we're born, we, we have this consciousness that we come into, and then we have other levels of that. But every single day we wake up and maybe we take a nap in the afternoon and we wake up again then, right? Mm -hmm. There are these little phases that are seemingly insignificant, but those 
are all stepping stones that lead us into these larger areas where then we come to a point where we have a knowing and we say, okay, now I'm stepping into another space. And that's where we begin that process all over again. Does that make sense? Yes. And it sounds like a progression. Yes. There's, yeah. There really is beautiful connection between soul wisdom work and education. If we would allow the two to, to connect, I think it could be a, a, a more whole and complete experience for teachers and for learners. But for teachers, Absolutely. it could really be a game changer. Less burnout, more satisfaction, increased yeah. effectiveness, focus, purpose. Absolutely. Well, and here's the other thing with that. If the more you get to know your ways of knowing and being, right, those, those ways of receiving information and giving information, the more you can also, it's with any, any self-development tool, any, I mean, as, okay, I'm big on introspection. I always have been, you know, this from when we've worked together. Know it and love um, it. Yeah. <laughs> any kind of like introspective tool that would come my way, I would be all in it. Um, but the thing about that is when you're learning about yourself, you're also learning about how other people work too. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing these parallels between the work, the things you're learning about yourself and then how that is maybe reflected from someone else and it builds empathy. It also builds a level of expertise really in being able to identify these things in other people. It doesn't mean that you then embody that and know how to be that or even need to be, but you can start to identify different things about them. So let's go back a second to, you know, the whole learning um, styles that I was talking about earlier, right? So as a teacher, oftentimes you can identify when someone is a visual learner, when they're an audible learner, when they oh, need yeah, to We're be. asked to use that knowledge for differentiation. Absolutely. So differentiation, beautiful, right? However, it can go deeper than that. So the more that you are learning about your ways of knowing and being, so how you're receiving the information of what's going on in your classroom, virtual or not, um, and able to then take aligned action, intentional action to align without those ways of knowing, right? So I see XYZ students need these things and I can respond to them. That's essentially differentiation is like a form formalized way of doing that or a standardized way of doing that, right? But in some school settings, you're able to actually do that even more in an individualized way and meet each individual student where they need. Now, most of the time, the resources, unfortunately, that we have, the time and money and space and numbers of students and all of those things don't necessarily allow for this in this moment. But the more you become in tune with your ways, the more clarity and confidence that you have, then you get to become a mentor for others to do that. So imagine now, I'm going to get a real big picture for a moment, that we had the ability to allow teachers to really do this kind of training and know these things about themselves and be empowered to use those ways of knowing and being to then manage their classrooms. And we're able, we were actually celebrating and teaching that to students as well, so that the students were understanding about themselves, not 
you're too wiggly and that's bad because it doesn't fit into this structure that we have, but, oh, you're a person who needs to move around a lot in order to be able to learn. So go pace the back of the classroom and we're going to just know that that's your way of being. And we're going to know that you are learning while you're doing that. And we're going to carry on, right? Not without you, but including you. That That's really what inclusiveness is. Like in that. my opinion. <laughs> Regina, what are some of the misconceptions about the work that you do? And what would you like for people to know who may be a little bit clouded by those misconceptions? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say that the biggest misconception is that um, I would say, I don't know the right words to, to use for it, but sometimes the work that I do gets discredited because it doesn't fit into the language or the way that we understand the world of work today. And so whether that's in a corporate space or whether that's an education, it feels like to me, and I'm seeing this less and less, but sometimes it's like, if I use the word psychic, for instance, we all have psychic abilities. I can use the word intuitive. I can use the word empathic. I can use the word, you know, um, sometimes Sixth sense, people... gut feeling, instinct. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, instinctual, right? Like it's the same thing. It's just different language for it. So because um, the work that I do when I use the word soul, like sometimes that just puts me in a different category. Like, oh, that's spirituality, and you know, that's this new age thing. But it's really important for all of us to know about ourselves and how we work and how we know and how we express ourselves. And so that is the biggest misconception. It's not that this doesn't belong in these spaces. It absolutely does. And it really, you know, the way that I see it, intuition really is the next, you know, I think for a while there was this whole kind of big wave of EQ is the most important thing. And we, you know, oh, we are allowing this into more corporate spaces and academic spaces. And we're going to, you know, bring this word in and do training on it. And I've, I've actually sat through some of those trainings, um, by people who didn't, I don't really even think they missed, know. They missed the mark themselves. <laughs> they don't even know what it means. And I was like, um, but but you know what, it has to start somewhere and that's great. But I feel like intuition really is the next wave that's gonna, that's gonna really come in. And um, the more we individually can really be in touch with that and know how we work ourselves, when those waves come in, we can actually work with it more efficiently and more intentionally, and it can be really beneficial. So I'd love to see that start happening. Regina, talk to me a little bit about some of the tools that you mentioned. Yes, so I um, I use a variety of tools. And so obviously, you know, I've talked about my ways of knowing and some of those are intuitive or empathic or more in that kind of greater umbrella of psychic. Um, I also use art as a tool and um, I, I call myself an art channel, actually, because I, I channel through information through my artwork. And so you can call that intuitive artist, or you can call that an art channel, however, you know, whatever words land best for you. But what I do is, um, this is one of my ways of knowing. I've always known and understood the world through color. Color stands out to me. Sometimes, you know, if I have choices to make, I will look around 
around the space that I'm in and certain colors will become more vibrant and that helps me choose. So that's where that clarity and confidence comes back. Um, but I've developed a method for myself that really I started doing because it really helped me in my own life. Um, and then as I got really confident in doing this, I've started to share it with others. And so I ask a question or set an intention for um, a an answer to come through in a certain way for a certain, like I said, a certain question or intention. And then I basically drop into like a meditative state. And when I'm in that state, I create artwork and I follow the guidance that comes through to me intuitively based on you know what colors come through, what shapes come through, et cetera. And as they do, a picture begins to form, a visual picture. And then as I'm creating it, I receive different information. So um, it sounds very simple and yet I, it's because I can break it down into these like very minute step-by-step -step things that happens in, under a grander scale. So what I do is I say, you know, please show me. And then I read, I set the intention. So this one says, please show me a message for the year ahead. And then um, the message comes through. So, so this one says, show up in wildly authentic ways. Um, take intentional action and be devoted fully to taking care of yourself. So this is, you know, this is the language that the, um, the message comes through in. And so I do these, uh, when I work with someone as a soul wisdom mentor, we set an intention for the work that they're going to do together. And the intention ultimately is how to deepen their relationship with their ways of knowing and being. But it also is helping us to kind of clearly identify what's the first step that they want to work towards. So I get that intention, I create an artwork that comes through for them, and I call these soul wisdom compasses. So it supports them as they're moving and navigating their journey. And just like a compass, any way you turn, it always shows you where true north is. Mm. And so you can engage with that. Um, and it really brings through different insights and just helps you reflect upon your experience. So that's one of the tools that I use as well. And um, other than that, we do have a lot of conversations and you know, I, I set up appointments where I work with people regularly, where we connect, um, they share what's going on with them. Sometimes I give them tools to, or modalities to explore, to help them learn just like you would with uh, any educational system, right? I was an art teacher. So if I wanted someone, to, if someone wanted to learn about painting, I would give them paintbrushes and paints and I would let them explore and I would help kind of guide them with, you know, oh, try this method or you could try this or this is really working. Maybe this is something that needs a little more development, right? So it's, it's the same kind of process. It's just in a very different sphere. Some of the language you're using now is uh, reminding me of the word vocation for educators and just hearing you say you can turn whichever direction you want to, but you will always be able to, to have an indicator of what is true north. And, mm -hmm. and I'm feeling that as a teacher, as a person who wants to make a, a difference in education, who wants to make a positive impact in, in teacher preparation, that true north is, is right there all the time. I can get distracted, but I've got to come back to making sure that educators have what they need to serve yeah. the students in their classrooms. And this conversation with you is exactly one of those true North things where we provide what educators need today. Yeah, absolutely. 
And what educators need today is support, empowerment, mm-hmm. uh, resources, definitely. Clarity you know, and confidence. Clarity and confidence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, we hashtag self-care when we've got a glass of wine and taking a bubble bath and things mm-hmm. like that. And yes, those things are important, but so are uh, what I would call one of the main pillars in the work that I do with people is I help them create a devotional practice. And I use the word devotional instead of daily, because I found that in my own experience, when I label something as daily or regular or um, consistent, things like that, I fail um, quite easily because how often, I mean, there are some things very limited, but some things that I manage to do every single day. I manage to breathe every single day. And I would say, brush my teeth is probably I was going to say that for myself. Yeah. I I can say like, I don't think there are many times, many days in my life that I have maybe, you know, here or there when I was on a plane for 17 hours of a day, but you know, I would say that's probably one of them. Showering doesn't even make it all the time, you know, like to be really just honest. And so, and eat, you know, most days I eat, but it's different every single day. Right. And So I help people to set up customizable devotional practices. So what that means is a practice that you do in a devotional way, meaning that you are devoted to showing up to it and you are allowing it to be devoted to you, that you are allowing yourself to receive from it. So we identify something that really aligns with a current need or a current desire in your life. We find a way that Uh, you can bring this into your life in a ridiculously simple way. So it needs to be scalable. Can you do this on the day where you wake up and you have no time, right? Like how can this be pared down into a 30 second activity or a two minute activity? And likewise, on those days you wake up and you have plenty of energy and plenty of time and you're really interested in doing this, like you can expand it. And whether it's a spiritual practice, a movement practice, a creative practice, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's all of those things at times, but it is important that it evolves with you and it actually supports you in what you're doing and you actually like it too. <laughs> all of those things are important, but this is one of the things that I, I find the most fun to do is to help people set these practices up. Um, because it really is, it's a tool for self-development and it helps you to uh, learn those things about yourself and also implement them. I love the way you have transformed uh, formal education in education with a <laughs> awareness and of the learning that you have of yourself to continue to offer to others. Thank you. That's, that's beauty. Thank that's you. Beautiful. I'm going to bring us in for a landing, Regina, with sincere thanks for sharing your soul wisdom and the inspiration that will help us all in education. This is big picture thinking. These are not quick tips and and fix it strategies. This is the kind of work that we can, can engage in, engage with to be sustained in education. So absolutely. 
to the fellow educators listening, listen again and take <laughs> heed. Uh, it's an important conversation. And then uh, for those of you interested in a little bit more exploration, please check the links and the resources about the things that Regina and I have discussed in the show notes, or you can find them at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. If you leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast listening app you use, it will help more educators to find us. And I would certainly appreciate it. I'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Regina, thank you. Thank you.